Good evening, everybody. It is Monday, September 23rd, and it's time for 10 dozen minutes of post-con chill with Jake and Mr. Skullhead. I'm Mr. Skullhead, and I am with Jake in an undisclosed location. Yeah, we're not telling anybody where this is. We want it all to ourselves. Only we're together, and there are Legos. Damn it. You've said too much. <sighs> or you haven't said enough. Well, I am in kind of a corner. That's true. That's true. Wait, so that's... this room is fairly small, so every part of it is a corner. So now they know Legos, corners. Yeah. Okay. So it's not a. It's not some sort of non-Euclidean, non-Lego containing room. And there's a spotlight for those who are interested in losing their religion. That's true. Um, somebody laughing or maybe crying. Right. Or say. I mean, I thought I heard you laughing. Could just be. I didn't really hear anything, or maybe it was a squirrel. Okay. Like a laughing squirrel. Okay. Are there laughing squirrels? I know our squirrels mainly go. Uh, that sounds kind of like a chicken. We have like Edward G. Robinson squirrels. Like, yeah. Yeah. See. see? Yeah, see. Acorns. Uh, so con. This is your last. These are your last hours here, and you've decided to dedicate them to providing a, a pod thrown into the faces of our listeners. I just wanted to share them with you. How uh, was your con? It was a good con. I feel like the. Uh, Casino night was choice, even without uh, Jazzy Bosses jazzing it up. I think mm-hmm. it that ended up going pretty well. I made uh, some fifteen hundred chips at blackjack, which I then gave to the less. I was going to say less fortunate or the deserving, and I almost said the less deserving. Okay, I gave it to the guy who clearly didn't need them the most. Okay, yeah, yeah, good. So that was fine. Um, you didn't go to the monastery the first night. I didn't. Uh, we got up at four in the morning that morning to go do our flight and so uh by eight o'clock i i think i messaged people saying hey see you guys at the monastery and then went to our house and fell asleep at eight thirty and didn't wake up until the morning hmm. I've, I've begun to learn that if there's something going on and our plan becomes let's go to dinner and then go to this thing we absolutely cannot come home or i will stay there mm-hmm because um, you have, if you have a beer at dinner, yeah, in your... yep. Uh, monastery was good though. It's so we we because drunken skating was fun. You know, it was fun for me. I I enjoyed yeah, I the roller it. skating, but the fact that people had to pay to get in made it. You know that there was that. It wasn't like so much a barrier to entry as in you know because these people are already spending a bunch of money. They probably have twenty five bucks or twenty bucks or whatever we charge to get into skating. Right. But the fact that it's like, all right, we're gonna pay. Twenty dollars to get fifteen cents worth of pizza and soda and not roller skate. I think a lot of people just opted out of it. Um, what sucks is that it seems like a bunch of clan parties got scheduled under the assumption that skating was going to be what was happening, and then right. when the monastery popped up, but it was it was better attended than skating, and it was you know that bar. I had it is the closest bar bar to my house, bar none. and I had written it off. Oh man. Wait, uh, Jenny and I came up with a funny joke uh, collaboratively today. Um, mm. There's a, there is a drink uh, that is a that is a cross between a Tom Collins and an Arnold Palmer called a Tom Arnold that yeah. you can only get at the Roseanne Bar. I like it. Yeah, it's a pretty good joke. It's like those songs that take four people to write, which are always like four times better. Oh, of course, than songs that only one person has written. Um, I think a Tom Collins has some lemonade in it, doesn't it? So. There's really already some crossover there. Maybe that's just what, uh, nah, I don't know. Teetotalers have instead of a, if the totality of what they drink is tea, but they don't consider lemonade a beverage, hmm. then they okay. just add. That's, yeah. what that, that's what a teetotaler is, is somebody who totally just drinks nothing but tea. <laughs> yep. Okay. I think that might actually be the. But no, it's T-E-E. 
It was based on the slang of the day where you would repeat the first letter, you know, like when you when we say trouble with a capital T, there's like, man, we are in T trouble. <laughs> okay. I actually think that's the right one. Getting into my head. It, it may be in the same category as dude the QWERTY keyboard was designed to slow down typists, but I, I feels it feels right. So there's an etymology section in Wikipedia. One anecdote attributes the origin of the word to a meeting of the Preston Temperance Society in 1833. Uh, let's see. Uh, who, so attributes the word to Dickie Turner, a member of the society who in a speech said, I'll be reet down out and out to total forever and ever. Hmm. So that seems like fucking nonsense. So 23 skidoo. A variation on that account was found somewhere else. Uh, an alternative explanation is that teetotal is simply a duplication of the T in total. Right. Yeah, so, eh, total with a capital T. Yeah, okay. So if you're okay about teetotaling, then you have two phrases that you're not sure what the origin well, of them is. A-okay about teetotaling, <laughs> because A is just a repetition of the first word of okay. <laughs> right. Um... Yeah, so the the I had written that place off because every time we went there, it was like eight forty five, and they're like, "All right, last call, guys. We close at nine because what the fuck? We have no idea what we're doing. Right. We said bar on the outside of this place, but we don't know what that word means." Uh, and they had like you know they had a bunch of domestics on tap, and they would have one guest beer, which was sometimes something good and sometimes fucking fat tire. Right. It was like fat tire like three quarters of the time. Uh, but suddenly they have like five times as many taps as they did and a bunch of Four Peaks stuff on tap and they were they say they're open till two now. Nice. Stayed open a while for us. So there was a bunch of KOL nerds uh, at some tables and at the adjacent tables were a bunch of people playing beach volleyball. Just I guess sand volleyball. There's no beach. Really. Yeah. They should have just trucked in like I know they trucked in like bucketfuls of sand. They should have just trucked in bucketfuls of ocean as well. Yeah, you could do that, right? You could just have a I mean, if you took sand from the beach and brought it somewhere else, is it still the beach? I don't think so. I think that's the uh, the technicality that Burning Man tries to get away with. We're like, this is the playa. It's the beach. There, there was an ocean here millions of years ago. But by that logic, almost everywhere in the inland U.S. is a beach. But that's the technicality. They, oh, d- in order to describe it as a beach. You're yeah. Saying. Playa is beach. Playa means beach. Yeah. Oh, okay. Unless you're on the KOLCon Playa Picks page, in which... Oh, okay, that's, yeah. Uh, Granja Picks page. <laughs> the SA Picks yeah. page. All of the uh, little chiquitos that play our game. Is that a name for a person or a name of a food product that doesn't exist yet? Mm, I don't know. Like a chicken taquito? Yeah, you should try Taco Bell's new chicken chiquitos. Yeah. Um, They're endorsed by Chiquil O'Neal. <laughs> so what else? They're um... made of bananas. <laughs> Chiquita just means really small, which is weird because those bananas—they're good sized. Pretty I decent. mean, they're banana sized, <laughs> right? Yeah, so what this what this new product is is you just eat a banana and then you fill you fill the peel up with refried beans and ground chicken. Well, then you can just squeeze it into your face all at one yeah. go. So and that's good. This proves that God is real. <laughs> you can't explain the chiquito. Yeah, you can't explain the chiquito. It's perfect. It's the perfect food for mankind. It's a tube of goo. Didn't we coin the term goobrist to describe the uh, man messing with slimy things that he should not mess with? Well, that was, I mean, because we, we have a player named Goobris. Right. I think that's, it was defining, not so much as coining. Although, turning a random name that somebody made up into a, into a real English word, I guess that could be coining. Mm-hmm. It's like sort of a counterfeit coin. <laughs> it's the, 
It's a slug. It's slugging. I refer to that as pulling a Shadow Dragon Mirage. That's another one of our players, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's XX. Shadow Dragon <laughs> Mirage 420 XX. <laughs> yeah. Ah, boy. There are a lot of uh, new faces at KOL Con. I love having people come up and say that this was their first con and they can't believe they've never gone before and they're totally coming to everyone after this one. Yep. I hate it when people come up and say they've been to everyone and they're totally not coming to anymore. But that didn't and happen. See, I so hate that's it good. when they say, uh, after this, I'm going to a party where I'm coming on everyone. <laughs> right. Uh, get, you went to some naked parties? Just the one. We went out um, after casino night to y- Yuma. Okay. Where the... A certain clan had a house that uh, they seem to get further and further away from the center every year. And this one ended up being like 10 minutes farther than I wanted to go Mm. for subsequent nights. And that was fun. There were people. There were uh, a lot of people with their dicks out uh, asking me questions about KOL. Okay. So uh, he really sticks out with his dicks out. Spoiler alert for the future. If you want to come ask me a question about KOL, I would prefer if something was covering the cock and the balls. Oh, n- not one or the other. <laughs> yeah, I w- I didn't even want to say cock and or balls. I don't want to put that out there. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to put that out there either. Mm-hmm. We decided that the uh, boob to dick ratio at a party should always be at least two to one. <laughs> okay. And that one, uh, they were a little short. You know, I know a, I know so a fellow dicks. that can take care of that single handed. <laughs> um, Saturday was good. That was a fun little. I think the shorter trivia made it. Uh, easier to get involved in that and like I was talking to Dan Bob and Lady Donut Pants who run the trivia afterwards and they agreed that they kind of get fatigued by it by the end of it because I think it's one thing to do three hours of trivia in a bar where people are getting progressively drunker and rowdier and another to do it in the middle of the day yeah so it seemed to work out best for everybody how long was it this time I think it was just two hours. They started at 4, 4, 4.30. We had made arrangements to do it somewhere else, and then that somewhere else went out of business. Yep. Um, so the concert was going to be down there, too. It was, it? yeah. That would have saved us a tremendous amount of money, but it uh, was not to be. Uh, was not to be. They, we, you know, we gave it about 50-50 odds of it turning out the way that it did, just given the situation that we knew with Monsterland. And it's a shame that that... Yeah, you know, my understanding is that Monsterland was profitable. It just wasn't profitable enough for that guy to stay in town to do it hmm. because he had plenty of money that he could make elsewhere if his venture wasn't more successful than his day job. Right. You know, and it just wasn't. Yeah, I don't know what you I don't know what you're going to do. That seems like the Desert Eagle Brewery, which is also in downtown Mesa. It it has been doing a a, a good uh Brisk trade, brisk trade is the phrase I was looking for. Brush. It's been doing, it's been doing tra- rough trade. Rough trade, yeah. Is that some gay sex thing? Yeah. What do, What does that phrase mean? Explain that idiom to me. As far as I understand it, it's picking up someone to have like unprotected sex in an alley. Okay. You know, like the. It's not smooth trade. It's it's rough trade. Okay. Mm-hmm. With a Twinkie and a bear involved somehow. Okay. Okay. An otter is an otter. Is an otter the guy that likes a bear, or is an otter a young bear? No, I guess that'd be a cub, right? Um, an otter is a gay man who enjoys um, smashing oysters against a rock that he holds between his neck and his sternum. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That seems there's a lot of opportunities for that near this near the shore. Yeah, if you're at the actual beach. Yeah, there are rocks and there are oysters, and there are Rocky Mountain oysters. 
but that doesn't count if you just take a rock from a mountain back down to the desert. That doesn't make it so you're in the mountains. Or it doesn't make it so you have the mountains in your pants. Unless you took a whole bunch of rocks and piled them up. And okay. Yeah. Sure. It's, uh, that's yeah. I mean, I guess there's a little there's a little tiny mountain range over there at the quarry. Right. <laughs> I didn't say that I was at the Rocky Mountains. I said I was at a Rocky Mountain <laughs> picture show. <laughs> I'm seeing a movie starring the Rock. E Mountain Dew is what I'm <laughs> drinking. And I'm sorry, I don't know why I switched to Spanish in the middle of that <laughs> sentence for one word, but. Uh, to save two letters, mm, yeah. You just have the and also why, the uh, the concert was dope. Yeah, it um, Treasure Mammal did their thing and a lot of people enjoyed it. What? <laughs> no, yeah, well, they did. People people enjoyed it. Explain the idiom uh, to damn with faint praise to me. <laughs> I, the funny thing is, like I probably enjoyed them more than the people who didn't enjoy them so yeah, I, yeah. I can't say like sure i i didn't like it i absolutely get that that's not going to be everybody's thing it's i mean if you know we're we're wesley willis god rest his soul were he still alive i would fucking i would reschedule con to <laughs> to work with his touring schedule the uh, the dry river yacht club was neat they were one a very rare thing for me that i didn't understand any of the lyrics mm-hmm. at all but still enjoyed the show. And usually it's if I can't hear what the person is saying, then I don't get it. But just the sounds that were coming out of them were cool enough to keep it going. It's a diverse crew. Yeah. So they have, what, an oboe, a baritone sax, a bass... Like a bass clarinet, which I think it was a bass clarinet. It's what's the one? That's oh, that wasn't an oboe, right? That was a the giant. Thing, yeah, an oboe is clarinet. an oboe is straight. Like yeah. you, you play it like you're tootling on a tootler. <laughs> um, whereas a, a bass clarinet is shaped more like a saxophone, but it's like, it's like a didgeridoo with a saxophone neck coming out of the side. Of yeah, it, it kind of looks like somebody took a bazooka or a, like a mortar launcher and turned it on edge. And I hope that's not what they did. And there was a trombo, trom, trombador, trombist, trombist. Flautist, I think, is what a trombone oh, yeah, player is yeah, called. Trombone player is a flautist. Um, there was a very energetic drummer. He was he was into stuff. Yeah, I liked him. I liked uh, that front brought him on stage to play some drums, like additional drums on one of the tracks. Oh, that's huh. Did they work that out ahead of time? They must have. I, I guess I was at the sound check though, because I was beginning my descent into my own personal hubris at that point. It's possible that you could just say there's something that you could say to a drummer that would just allow him to play along with a song Mm -hmm. even though he had never heard it before if he was a competent drummer it seemed like it took him he spent like four bars figuring out the rhythm Mm. and then just went oh this is the place where there should be a little fill that i can just bang on the snare i i envy that like the ability to just hear people playing music and then just jump in and yeah to, to sort of be able to extemporaneously collaborate on something like that I mean I'll give it with the drums it's a little bit easier because there aren't any notes yeah. there aren't any tones yeah you know? yeah you're not gonna be like uh, actually that was an A minor on the drums you know a lot of those guys would probably be hard pressed to sit down and write 20 funny sentences in 10 minutes so there you, you go know? so I mean to each his motherfucking own so before the the concert uh Frontalot asked if i wanted to do a verse on stage with him as i did last year to like like you know last year was to my satisfaction and to the enjoyment of the audience and i said yeah sure we're gonna do the same one and he says oh no you should do we're gonna do council of loathing last so 
to throw a verse in there. And I thought, well, I can't do the same thing that I did last year for the different song. That would be lame. So I wrote a verse and then set about committing it to memory and figured I would bring the page up as a cheat sheet so that I could read it if I needed to. Mm-hmm. And uh, first, the song started way earlier than I was expecting. And then Damien forgot his lyrics. Oh, good. And, uh, you know, everybody seemed to be fine with that. And uh, I think I got halfway through and couldn't pull the last line immediately and looked at the page. And it was just small letters all together. and couldn't figure out which nah. one of them it was. So I just kind of limped through it. But, uh, like, everybody... Everybody was surprised when I said that I had fucked it up. From listening, so that was from, all right. from listening to it, I was like, "He might have fucked up just right. then," but I don't know. So that means that it's pre- like, you know, either he didn't fuck up, or he fucked up and he's really worried about it, and nobody else is. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. That was entirely it. Yeah, I would have preferred that it had gone better, but uh, yeah. did the uh, you, you've you've discovered a. a an ability to write raps. I mean, I guess you discovered it in high school when you were rapping for the Lord. Right. The ability to write secular raps with swears in them. Yeah. Okay. That's what I have now. I mean, I guess that's just, you know, it's just a broader brush to, to work with, right? Mm-hmm. A broader and more vulgar brush. Mm-hmm. A brush where handle, the end of it is handle, shaped like yeah, a handle. is more shaped like something that would go in your butt. Ah, good, to, good that we both went there. I think it's more just... I put the first rap thing up on auction at Columbus to force me to write one. And then they had them do it again in my absence in May. So then I had, like, I have two raps that I have to write. And like, actually, this is really fun. So we ended up doing, uh, me and Bob the Joker did the KOL Addicts one at karaoke. Hmm, okay. I feel like I redeemed my rap skills a little bit. Okay. How'd karaoke go? I, I just stayed home and watched Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> For the first time. Yeah, yeah. You watched it again for the first time. Well, because I, I through Gobby and through uh, Hot Stuff's girlfriend, I watched it again for the first time. Because wow. They were, and I think maybe Mr. Mag hadn't seen it before either. And they were they were suitably aghast. Last year it was Kroll. Okay. We had a couple of people who hadn't seen. And the rest of us were going, God, there's Kroll is on. And like, what? It, there are crawlers on the TV? Like, yes, but also. Yeah, of course. What kind of shop do you think we're running I think here? Fans of Krull should be called Krullers. Yeah. Well, maybe they are for all we know. <laughs> right. right. They get together for evening meetings and they call themselves the Night Krullers. Hmm. Yeah. I figure. Bamf. And then. It started, uh, karaoke started with nobody being able to tell how to hook things into the TVs at Pranksters. Okay. Because they. They said one of the connections begins as a coax cable, and by the end of it is a three-prong RCA. Okay. Which, like, uh, Sam is a dork, is a sound engineer. That's like her, what she got her degree in. And she said that shouldn't really be possible. It's certainly not preferable. I mean, because a three-pronged RCA is six wires, and a coax is two. Right. So I... But uh, once they got, like, they had to call one of the guys from the company who does the AV stuff to come in, and the nature of a dude like that is he just goes, oh, you just need this RCA to coax converter. So I think if it had been a coax cable that terminated in a gerbil, he would just be like, oh, you just need a gerbil gerbil to to coax, coax. which we decided was a hamster wheel that just had a, you know, generated electricity as the gerbil with the coax in its butt ran. Okay. And then uh, had a coax coming out of it. I don't know how that keeps the sound That's going through, tones. but yeah, 
<laughs> adds a brown note. So the, con- the karaoke kicked off about an hour late, but then well, that's it was, good. I think, it was uh, well enjoyed. Because of our board gaming, uh, Trubs and Lycra were themselves an hour late. Yeah, you guys played that game that you play for like eight hours. Well, it was supposed it was to be based like on three Twilight. hours, and it took like five. Yeah, it's based on Twilight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Twilight Eclipse, the board game. <laughs> yep. Just picking who's going to be on Team Edward and who's going to be on Team Jacob takes a while. Oh, yeah, it's it's contentious. <clears throat> Everybody's got an opinion. It's like, I'm on Team Edward Norton. I'm on Team Edward James Olmos. Uh, let's see. What's the other, what was the other team? Team Edward and Team... Uh, team Jacob. Team Jacob, okay. Give me Team Jacob Gyllenhaal, I suppose. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> or Busey. Yeah, Jacobs are hard to find because almost they almost all go by Jake. Yeah. Jake Nicholson. And some of them go by the fat man. For instance, Jacob Jacob Nicholson never goes by Jacob <laughs> Nicholson. For good reason. Jacob Kerouac. Jacob in the box. I mean, Jack makes a whole lot more sense as a nickname for Jacob than Jonathan. Yeah, is Jack John? Is that... Mm. Huh. That was... Growing up, I was always confused by people talking about John Kennedy and Jack Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And then Jackie Kennedy didn't help either. Yeah, and then there's like a bunch of other people also <laughs> named Kennedy. Are Ted and Teddy Kennedy two different people? Oh, I think they're, they're the same, but his name is Edward. Well, they're like zero different people now. Is Ted short for Edward? No, Ted short for Theodore. It's supposed to be short for Theodore. Yeah, but these guys. Yeah. J- I think Robert Kennedy's actual name was like Oliver or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Richard becomes Dick. Was there a Dick Kennedy? Uh, I I, they're all, they're all yeah, that's what I've heard uh, of. Uh, they're all swinging him. Um. Yeah, Sunday. Sunday, I just took it easy. I I kind of shot my socialization wad on Thursday and Friday nights, and then Saturday, I just kind of stayed upstairs all all day and all night after getting stuff set up. Yeah, it was only the occasional curtain twitch. Yeah, let me know. I um. It it was kind of stressful getting set up. It was like every all of the people had the stage like they guys took an extra hour to set the stage up it's like come on man Mm -hmm. you do this like every fucking day like it's i don't know what the deal is even before when there were fewer people they did it faster than they did this year then a guy man this fucking guy from the crew that was setting up the stage he came over to and i don't even remember who i was standing there with but he came over and he was like you got a real problem in the bathroom and walked in there and the bathroom like the men's room was just all flooded yeah and it was because the wall to the bathroom didn't go all the way down to the floor and the keg buckets were leaky mm-hmm. and so you know all that water all that ice just melted while we weren't there and filled the thing with water but the primary problem in that bathroom was that that giant fat guy from the stage company had just taken a massive rank ass shit in there <laughs> and then tricked me into walking right into the fucking bathroom it's like you motherfucker do you think that he was referring to the water or the giant shit when he said you've yeah. got a real problem in the bathroom? Yeah. yeah. So I like to think that he was just, that was his thing to do right. every time. Like, you never have that guy over your house. Mm-mm. It's like, man, there's something weird in the bathroom. You got to see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I'd rather have the guy over who's just constantly breaking oysters open on rocks on his <laughs> yeah. chest. Well, yeah, because then at least you might get a hand job. Or <sighs> some oysters, which be Oh, sure. It's simultaneous. Wait, oysters are an aphrodisiac, so if you're not in the mood for the <laughs> yeah, hand yeah, job, yeah, then... Just keep, keep eating. Keep eating these. Keep eating these until I blow you. <laughs> um, you know, I can't decide whether I like oysters or not. Hmm. I kind of enjoy them, but then sometimes I get three quarters of the way through one, and I'm like, uh, you know, this is not actually all that good. There's occasionally... There's the occasional one that just kind of hangs up on you 
round soft palate sinus interchange. I like the gr- I don't like the yeah. grit in there either. Yeah. Really, and sometimes you get some of that. Yeah, it's something that I have tried a couple of times and don't mind trying. But you know, yeah, it's not like somebody says we're going to the oyster bar. Like sweet, yeah, I can't wait. There's a place uh, down the street from our San Francisco apartment that has like dollar oysters during happy hour. Hmm. Um, yeah, get some of those sometimes. They, like they, everything that you eat raw from the sea, you want it to be as cheap as possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After this, we're going discount skydiving. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Sunday we went up to Prescott too in the morning. Did you? That was nice. Yeah. Wow, that's a long trip for. I mean, eh, I guess not really, but. Like an hour a long, and a half. Yeah, but it's a long trip to go and back in a day. There and back again. Oh. In a day. It was uh, it was twice as long as going to the KOL Attic's house and back. Oh, damn. I'm going to keep... I have to keep harping on that, because those guys, they have the best parties, and so everybody is going to be at their party. Well, but one way in which a party can be best is by being near. Right. <laughs> so... Oh, I don't know. I went to a party that uh, there were three people still awake okay. once we got there. And uh, I didn't tarry long because it seemed like they were like, oh, Scully's here. Well, I guess you want to, like, have a beer or leave? <laughs> like, I don't we'll leave. But no, that was great. Uh, we went to the candle store and got some candles. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you see any of the Butterman? I saw Kent Butterman and his uh, hippiness. He's, he, I see way more of Charlie's mannerisms in him now than I did mm-hmm. back in the day. But uh, they... About like a hundred dollars. Is that why Charlie's candles. so straight laced? Is because he was raised by hippies and his rebellion was by cutting his hair. He's all like long haired and like soul patched and like Gary Oldman looking now. Ooh. He looks like serious black a little bit. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's like a a leather fedora away from hmm. being a, a musketeer. Hmm. Yes. Huh. There was a got to see the old homestead and i pointed out your house which is now like white with pink trim oh great just kind of strange the uh like my house is the same but weirdly different like there was a shed that my dad built in the back that's been torn down and replaced with a nearly identical one (laughs) like you do yeah like they paved the driveway and put up some fences and the giant trees that I dented my first cars on are now gone from the driveway. Oh, good. Maybe they had a maybe they had a, a, a lad with a sharper car than yours, <laughs> or at least a heavier one, just to knock some of those fuckers down. It, you can tell that you can see all of the seams in Prescott, where the houses, like the old houses and the new ones, hmm. and it, it's just like normal looking houses and then beige stucco giant dentist's office or something and so like you could play guess which buildings weren't here 20 years ago pretty easily it it was i feel like a lot of that started when we were there there was a big commercial swell as as like the population the population increased really dramatically while we lived there Mm -hmm. like my understanding is that the freshman class when we were senior or when i was a senior and you were a junior the freshman class was like two-thirds of the school because it was so much bigger than like it was, it was three times the size of the previous year's incoming freshman class. Uh, there was some statistic like that that seemed to indicate to me a period of rapid growth. And so there was just a bunch of commercial development, and I was like, a lot of it was 
a lot of it was okay. There was a lot of just like brown brick stuff that was yeah. fairly, you know, it looked okay, nestled in some, you know, tree-lined places. But then some of it was like, oh, let's, we, we built some houses and shit in Phoenix. Let's go up to Prescott and ruin it, too. <laughs> I did point out the Albertsons where uh, we spent many a happy night. That's fun explaining that to people. Like, there was so little to do that one of the things we would do is go to the school and throw a ball at the wall. <laughs> Yeah, and one thing was just to walk through Albertsons, just making and try jokes to juggle and jokes yeah. about the products. And, yeah, it was sad though. Uh, like part of Whiskey Row burned down. Yeah, and they've replaced that with the fucking tented stucco. So it's like brick storefronts and then two stucco facades. Wow, that sucks. They were still in the process. It was just like a couple of buildings. That candy store. Yeah. The candy store burned down. And the cat's meow isn't the cat's meow anymore. Hmm. Which I was interested to see if it was still there because that is the kind of business that doesn't you still wouldn't there. expect <laughs> yeah. to be there in the first place. I put like some the, curiosity it is, store. It is astonishing to me that putting on the hats is still open. Uh-huh. Just, there is there are few things that bother me more than a, a that kind of joke executed that clumsily. Uh-huh. Like there was one I forget I forget what. So if other, it were God hats, I forget what. At, at least that, at least that is how you do that joke. Right. It's like, is this seriously like, is that supposed to be putting on the Ritz? Because I couldn't be anything else, right? Right. But that's not. That is not good enough. That should not have made it to even the top ten list of ideas for your fucking hat store name. Much less have been the one that you chose. How the fuck is that place still in business? Yeah. I, I'm a guy who buys a lot of hats. Selling for overpriced company, hats for to company mascot, and I've never bought a hat there. I've never gone in there and actually bought a hat. I don't think. I know one dude who did in high school because that was where you could get the really high quality fedoras. Okay. That certain of our elements craved. I mean, I wanted one. I just didn't. Yeah. Want to throw down the like fifty bucks on one? My dad bought me a fedora, and I rarely wore it out. But I think that you didn't. Like, even as a nerd, you didn't suffer the illusion that putting it on would make you interesting or cool. Yeah. Yeah. That you knew that had to come from within. Well, I knew that. I knew I and that it was know, useless without a whip. That I didn't have a chance until college, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, eh, whatever. You were just going to germinate. So what? what is the good name for the hat store? Hmm. Greatest Hats. Hats Off. Sure. Uh, okay, Greatest Hats. Yeah, that's, that's a little better. That, like, doesn't have the vowel sound, but at least it has the right beginning sound. Yeah. Um... Hmm. Lids with a Z. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Got it. I, you know, I'm, I'm not here. Throw to, your hat in the ring. I'm not here to tell you what a good name would be. I'm just here to tell. I'm here to tell you that your name is really bad. I, I wish I could remember what the other business was that I saw recently that gave me that exact same like ah fuck that is such a <laughs> that is just a bad a bad joke poorly executed. Uh, it drives me crazy. The galloping goose. I also don't understand how that's been in business for some however many years. Well, it's because you go down 20. to the courthouse and, like, you have your ice cream at Kendall's and you go look at all the, like, antique stores and you have a couple of beers in the bars. And then if you're you you're a tourist, you hit that store and go, oh, yeah, this has everything about Arizona. It's like a store at the airport, only I'm not at the airport. <laughs> yeah. You can get the, like, paperweight with the scorpion in resin there you can get a bolo tie with like a with a scorpion in resin skull or with a scorpion in resin yeah you can uh 
get a lollipop with a scorpion in it or a lollipop with a bull skull in it. <laughs> Those are like all day. <laughs> the, the bolo tie with the actual bull skull for the buckle is only worn by the bold <laughs> yeah. and the thick of and neck. Like, and, and like maybe a shaman. Right. He'll, he'll, he can rock an entire skull on his necklace. It's like shaman are the flavor flavor of, <laughs> yeah. of indigenous, of indigenous cultures. Hmm. No, that was still hanging out there. There was a uh, an antique festival at the courthouse, like around it, which basically meant there's a big yard sale around the courthouse. Okay. So, like, I wouldn't have been interested in, like, an antique thing, but the way that it ended up, it was just like, here's random crap from people's basements all spread out for me to look oh, at. Good. That was fun. Is it that, or is it that things that are genuinely antiques at this point just seem to us like random crap from somebody's basement because we're old as fuck? Yeah, maybe. They're, they were all pre, like, 70s oh, okay. stuff, so old enough to be antique, but So, like, the avocado-colored f- mixer, for instance, is an antique now. Yeah, well, like, handful of bullets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> kind of. You know, like some... That was like that was my favorite uh, spaghetti western, <laughs> and for a few bullets more. Yeah, for a few bullets more, we can have a Beatles reunion. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that wasn't. It's not too bad of a trip. I think we left at nine and got back at five thirty or something. I had plenty of time to nap before. Were you trying to croquet. accomplish something or just dicking around? Just wanted to get candles. Yeah. Okay. So the weird thing, though, is like you can buy their candles online, but then you have to pay to have them shipped. And candles are real, like not a good way to value yeah. proposition. Yeah. So, but we went there and picked out all of our candles. Spending seventy five dollars or more got you free shipping to your home. Oh man! So we could well, we got to go there and pick them all out. Yeah. Okay. But it's weird that you have to go to the store so that you can get them shipped to you. What kind of candles do you use in your day to day life? They're just scented pillars. And it's more like when we're having people come over, we're having a party or something. Okay. We'll put a couple around. Keep a couple in the bedroom for romance light, and light and heat in the romantic hour. I guess the candles that I use on a regular basis are IKEA tea lights for shitting. And uh, I got like a woodwick candle that my mom got me. Uh, she buys me woodwick candles like about one a year because uh, I like them. Right. You know, I mean, I like a, I like a candle that makes a noise, um, but I don't I don't consume one a year, so they're kind of piling up. <laughs> you're getting you know? a back. Um, if you I, get enough of those wood wicks, you can make a backlog. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I use that. I use that when the cat takes a rank dump, ah. which is the only kind of dump she takes now that she's on the veterinarian recommended wet food diet. Hmm. Wet food diet. Yeah. So. Uh, what other, what else? there's gotta be some other, uh, there's gotta be some other anecdotes from the weekend. Casino night went, went great. The, the Spylarp was a, was a ton of work. I don't know that, I don't know that, uh, Hot Stuff would volunteer to do that again. It didn't, it didn't scale to automation very well uh-huh. because it was like each person had, you know, a code that represented their kill phrase and then they had to have some unique combination of, information that was revealed to them that they could barter with other people and so we had to make sure that there weren't you know well i we all i did was run the paper cutter and fold it up and stuff shit into badges and stuff but and to make sure that everyone had a sort of a fair and balanced amount of information and that you know you weren't like wasting people's time by giving them information that they could glean from their own 
badge and kill phrase combination. Um, it seems yeah. like that is a feature of the like creation process, though, right? Yeah. Then it's just the the assembling is kind of hard, partly because Kevin didn't trust anybody to do it besides him and you because it, it required a lot of attention to detail yeah and, and they had he to, knew they how, had to how match much up. so they had yeah. to match up like it was it was possible to make a couple of mistakes that would have ruined the game for yeah. everyone sort of and it was uh, yeah i mean it's yeah i mean there's a, like i feel like we've just gotten into that habit about a lot of stuff it's like all right this is just a thing that i know you're not gonna fuck this up i don't see how he feels that way about me because every time i was like like if he says, I think it's safe to cut like maybe three of these at a time with this cutter, I'm like, eh, but I could do five. And then every yeah. time I fucked one up a little bit, I'm like, oh, God damn it, I should have I should have listened to him. But maybe he told me three because he knew I would do five. That may be it. There's yeah. a, you, you get a secret language with people after a yeah. while. You start telling them that you need to be somewhere a half hour earlier so yeah. they'll be on time. I still can't get out of the the anxiety that I get every year of wanting to be at the official things right when they say they're starting mm-hmm. and every year i do that and like it never happens that i get there right on time and i'm always kind of freaking out and trying to push people out the door and you know getting in a shitty mood and then rolling up 20 minutes or 30 minutes late to find that it hasn't really started yet yeah because nobody does that you always got a lot of people to wrangle and i like i after the first couple of cons i was like all right everybody around me is gonna have to get used to the fact that i am not wrangling shit during this so like everybody needs to have their own car because i'm not waiting when i need to get somewhere this one we were down like last year was the we had uh clackling and vag and adam and mara and front and his entire band and then jess and i at at our house and that was just murder to get anywhere because you did say the night before okay we got to be there at three and somebody would still be like asleep at three or walking around in their underwear eating cereal (laughs) it was like (laughs) right i said oh what where are we going like to the concert that you're gonna play the keyboards at some guy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, I didn't say what brand of cereal, so I don't think I've given away any <laughs> right, <laughs> any secrets. This year was just uh, the two couples, me, Jess, and yeah. Adam and Mara. And so they, that's a little easier. They opted out. Like, Adam and Mara opted out of most stuff. Um, Jess was going to come to casino night and then was not, and then was going to come home and eat dinner and then go to casino night. She was there at the end. Which, the only, I think that's yeah. the only time I saw her all con was as I was leaving casino night. Yeah, she ended up going out with the girls because at six, she was saying, hey, I want to, I I think I could come with you, but I want to come home and eat dinner and get dressed and then go. And I said, oh, so we can be there by six. <laughs> She's like, never mind. Because like she, she wanted to go out with the girls and have fun. She just felt kind of guilty about leaving me mm. just by myself, which is the thing. It's like, I, I don't know. We're kind of joined at the hip. Yeah. You get you get anxious when you're by yourself. Yeah, no, I just tend to bounce around kind of bonelessly mm. instead of like the every barbecue I just kind of butterfly from table to table and never can quite line up to get into a game when it's starting or something. Yeah. So I just sit around and chat with somebody for 3 or 4 minutes and then go, "Well, I think that conversation has gone as far as it needs to." <laughs> yeah. I just go do it 
again somewhere else. Yeah, I mean that's you know like that's kind of what I did on Thursday. Although you know sometimes you get sometimes you get into the groove of a conversation. I mean it's like any yeah. it's like any party you know. Except it's weird because it's like a party where a lot of a lot of people are anxious to come up and talk to us. Yeah, you know. So it's it's like I don't know. That has little microwaves year to year. <laughs> little microwaves, huh? Instead of the big ones. Uh, but this year was one of the more people being interested in talking to us, mm. which I, I, think, I like. You know, that. I don't it's know fine. if that's there were just a, there were just a bunch of new people. It's mm-hmm. weird. It is weird how even as you know, even as the people actually playing KOL slowly just declines, like it like it has been, con attendance is like just flat. But it isn't the same people every year, right? And I don't, I don't understand that. I don't like. Uh, it. Like there are new people still joining, but they're joining at a slightly slower rate than people are leaving. So we have a slow lowering over time. But then they come to the con, which is really cool. It is, yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> like there weren't a ton of people who had said that they like started playing recently. I mean, cause we, you, you do get a few people every year who are like, yeah, I live in Phoenix. I discovered the game or I just I've been playing for a while, but I discovered that the con existed right. or something, which that's just like a weird thing where it's like as frustrating as it is to see stuff like, you know, when you post something to the Facebook or whatever, you can see what percentage of people are going to see it. Yeah. When we post something to the front page, we just have no idea how many people actually become aware of that information. Yeah. You know, like there's just no, the number of times where it's like some, somebody posts in the forums, like, I wish they would have announced this ahead of time. Somebody will say, well, it was in the forums and on the podcast and all that stuff. And then, you know, somebody will then argue, listen, not everybody reads the fucking forums. Okay. Not everybody listens to the fucking podcast. Some of us have lives. We don't care about this nerd shit. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Then why are you bitching about <laughs> this game balance thing that you wish that we had given you some warning about so that you could plan your life around the stick figure game? That's the, mm-hmm. you're not, you know, some nerd bullshit. I think the Facebook helped a little bit just having the event. And like 5,000 or so of our 11,000 saw every post. Okay. I mean, that, I guess that is, I guess Facebook is just the, is just if Evite is folded into it. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's. It actually kind of sucks now when people send us evites instead of the Facebook events, because then they're off on their own separate site that I never go to. Is there, is there any significant correspondence, just just life in general, between the people who are at a party versus the people who committed to going or not going to a party on Facebook? Like, it is so hard for me to. It is so hard for me to imagine that the act of saying yes I'm going to go to this on Facebook means a goddamn thing right relative to what your actual behavior is going to be that I just like I can't especially when it's a it's not like somebody's party at their house who's a friend that like well out of respect for them I'm going to let them know that right I'm not going to come you know so they'll know to (laughs) get plenty of the beer that I like even our like the parties that we throw at our house will have Sometimes 60 people say they're going to come and 20 come and sometimes the inverse. Hmm. So, but yeah, probably not. Yeah, I just wonder, I mean, it was, a, I think it was enough to just have like, here's the dates and the information and links to it for people who aren't going to go to the forums. Yeah. 
Oh, well, sure. No, no, no. I'm not. I, I wasn't trying to suggest that that didn't have. But now the invite was list like, is probably it'd be interesting to look back and see. Knowing about <clears throat> knowing like that is definitely going to make people aware of con. Like so somebody who, you know, I mean, maybe it's somebody who hasn't played in six months and they just like, oh, yeah, right. Con is a thing because they Facebook is not a thing that they have not yet opted out of. Right. Like, I don't know if we even actually used the Twitter. I don't know if we said anything about con on Twitter. I guess. Kevin did like a couple days beforehand or a week before and was like, ooh, a week till con, but just don't think of that as a promotional vector, which we probably should. I need a Twitter app again that switches accounts. Because I hardly ever post to ASM or to HSHD because I'm just logged into mine all the time. The um the basic the just the branded Twitter client for uh for iOS does and I assume I assume that the Android one is just a port of that. It was not great for a long time, but it and that you know there was an update of it that made it slightly more clicks to switch between accounts, but mm-hmm. it's not you know that's I do it you know several times a day. I cycle through them all to see what what new things. Yeah, I'll have to look cuz I feel like I there was a version of it that seemed to have just removed that functionality entirely. Mm. And then I just forgot my Twitter password forever, so... Yeah. I always have a hard time remembering what mine is for my personal account that I just sort of follow people with. Although, I guess I've been using it more. Oh, look. Accounts. Add accounts. Hey, there you go. Is it the same password still? Yeah. It has never changed. Perfect Jungle 40? Yeah. Perfect Jungle 40. That was the password to the internet in our uh, condo. Oh, yeah. We had a cool little clan house this year. I I can call it a clan house because... I am a clan of one. Sure, okay. It it was like a bungalow that had been redone to look like a tiny miniature McMansion, which was cute. It's like, oh, you have vaulted ceilings, but you're like 1,200 square feet. Huh. That's adorable. Oh, you have the, like, the blob-shaped pool that's fancy, right? But it's maybe 20 feet across, you know, 20 feet from end to end, hmm. and five and a half feet deep all the way across. It was cute. Um, <clears throat> and it was fairly close by, right? Like, we, you didn't, you're not going to pick out a house that's inconveniently far away from the stuff that you got to do. <clears throat> yeah, well, we did that one year. It just made it even harder to get anybody to anywhere on time. It's pretty good con. The, the we managed to have the right amount of uh, food. There was almost no leftover, oh, almost no leftover food from the catering, but there was some leftover, so nobody nobody went hungry. Um, that they they had their shit together way better. Like I think that the con last year was one of only a handful of things that they had ever catered. Like when the, we talked to them, we were like, "Hey, do you do catering?" They were like, "Sure." <laughs> and uh, this year they've actually. And didn't they just kind of have you order everything off the menu as if you were like a party of two hundred people who just stopped into the restaurant? Yeah, they. But they had a bunch ready. You know, mm-hmm. you'd order, you'd ask for it, and they would give it to you. Right? It wasn't like you'd ask for it and then you'd wait ten minutes. Yeah, I just mean when we were inside. buying when we were like contacting them to begin with. Oh yeah, yeah. They didn't have like an infrastructure for pricing yeah. or anything. Yeah. No, it's, it was good. It was good. It's good food, and you know we like those guys. I sold all of the comic books that I brought. Good. So that was good. And you know, I didn't bring that many, but yeah, it was, like it was 50, nice to it was sell like them out. Fifty each, or something, right? I mean, I think there were only thirty of three because I had already gone through a couple of waves of printing those and figured that they would be mm. the demand would be down, and then forty of the so four. I feel like that's pretty good. I feel like that's a twenty-five percent penetration. Yeah, I mean, that's more than either of them that I've sold in on Indie Planet in the entirety of mm. like three's existence. So 
went well. Oh, Doug right. had a great time. Yeah. He spent all of Saturday just kind of happily and busily doing commissions all day. Nice. So that nice. was good. And he had uh, I Club You came up in her uh, Jill outfit so that he could see her cosplaying nice. the, the thing he designed. And he got to draw the mystic runes on her chef staff so that she could have a, an official licensed replication of Jill's chef staff. I, uh, I gave, I gave uh, Iluro Dragon a St. Sneaky Pete's Day tattoo in Sharpie. Huh. I had to look up what it looked like. I was like, drawing it from my phone as a reference. Oh, the one with the boobs? Yeah. yeah. Is he going to go get it traced over? Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> I did not do a very good job. Um, um, so, yeah. Well, you always have everybody who was at Arkenstock and got a tattoo to make you feel better about feel better about any KOL tattoo you draw. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. Man. I think that guy just sharpened the E string of a guitar. <laughs> Just kind of poking, and I say that knowing that everybody who has one would agree. Oh yeah, like, yeah no. it's a it's a great memory of that time. Yeah, I would not be nearly as zen about that as the people who are pretty zen about that were. I mean, I think you have to be pretty zen about how a tattoo is going to look just to sit down in a chair in somebody's bathroom at a con. Yeah, somebody's flooded sopping carpet bathroom. I think you have to be more zen about how a tattoo is going to look than I am ever going to be to even go to a tattoo shop and get a uh-huh. tattoo. Like, I, you know, honestly, if there was, like, a machine that would just take a, that I could just give it, like, a 300 DPI image and then it would just print it on my arm in tattoo ink, then I would probably get the Sword and Martini guy tattooed on my arm. Hmm. If if it was just a straight-up, accurate replication of a thing that I have made my piece with what it looks like, right? you know? Well, I mean, what they're going to do is take transfer paper and transfer an exact copy of your image and then trace it with a very very small yeah margin of error you know the thing that roy drew that i got tattooed ended up looking exactly like the yeah does it the thing i mean and it's gonna it you know, the margin of error is gonna increase as you age and spend time in the sun and stuff yeah. anyway i guess and it's you know i like but i wonder why that isn't a thing yet just like an an inkjet printer only it's got a tattoo needle on it and you just have to hold very still. I have to imagine that. Well, I mean, maybe you, you know what I would. What I would imagine is that you would secure it very firmly to your body. So even if you didn't stand still, oh, you just it like would be strap okay, it right? to yeah, your you just arm. Strap it on your arm, and it. I have a feeling that I am probably the opposite of most people in that I would trust that way more than I would trust a tattoo artist. Uh-huh. You know, maybe it could be just like a uh, a matrix array of needles. That you could then just turn off the ones that weren't part of the picture and just strap it on and just have it like punch it all at once. Okay. <laughs> because you would have like that one second of fuck. <laughs> but then it's all over. <laughs> It'll be over yeah. and perfect. You know, just, yeah. there's no like drawing a line. It's just like, you know, like a, like those pen impression things only. It's like a rubber stamp. Only <laughs> Everything is sharp. Yeah. A rubber stamp. Only sharp. Yeah. Huh. Sounds great. Why isn't anybody listening to my ideas about <laughs> tattoos? Let's do a Kickstarter for Sweet Machine. I wonder, though, that the reason why nobody's really seriously tried to automate it is that there is an art to fitting things onto skin and working around like the size and shape and consistency and texture of people's skin. Yeah, we're working around the 400 other tattoos that... 
Yeah. Or, or even like. Well, he has a giant freckle right here, so if I put the design here, it's going to look like the thing has an extra eye or something. Yeah. Huh. Like, he has a giant freckle here. This would be where Bart Simpson's asshole should go. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Bart Simpson's asshole instead of a belly button. You know what I mean? You draw a picture of Bart Simpson where your asshole is where his belly button should be. He's <laughs> like, hey, check it out. Bart- Bart's giving birth to an alien. <laughs> Uh, you also have a thing implanted that sculpts your turds into the little alien guy, like that banana sculpture <laughs> making the rounds. Uh, see, a banana really is the perfect killing machine when yeah. it's sculpted into an alien like that. How about this uh, questions thread? Vasco de Gothmog writes, uh, how much balance work do you guys do when you're developing new content? Do you do a lot of work to get the numbers right before throwing new stuff over the wall to the testers, or is it more of a back-and-forth iterative process? We tend to get the numbers on things you know, usually from hot stuff before we get them out to the testers. Um, you know, the process is they figure out how this is going to work from a experiential point of view. And then, you know, what kind of enchantment should these items have on them? What should these effects do or whatever gets, gets answered. Sometimes we will leave some of those things undone if it's not like critical before we get it into some dev testing. But, um, you know, and then, and then they'll tell us like, this is going to upset ascenders. This is going to be, difficult for casual players to to deal with you know it's uh, so you know there there is some there is some iteration in the in the usually the few days leading up to something rolling out i feel like hot stuff has some kind of sixth sense about the like what enchantments would excite people and what numbers would be like a ballpark a good idea yeah so it and seems like I mean, he just throws things in and then then refines them slightly when there's we some get them out. back-end tools that make make that stuff comprehensible i mean we can we can just look like all right what's every item in the game that has plus hot damage on it and where do you get them and what's power level and what's the rarity of the drop and stuff and like where should this fit into that scheme and which which things have i put out on my own which just sort of unilaterally fucked up the curve or right. whatever. And yeah, how can we not be beholden to that anymore? Also, I know you guys get tons of ideas thrown at you and have plenty of ideas on your own, but I can't help myself. The Chimera, C-H-Y-M-E-R-A, a monster whose power scales with fullness. Okay, so I looked this up and apparently Chimer, C-H-Y-M-E-R, is like British slang for puke. Huh, okay. So I guess Chimer is like the, so do you think that, Oh, I get it. So chunder is like chimering down under. Of course. So that's where that's where the Australians got chunder mm-hmm. from. Uh, and the unquiet spirit, a monster whose power scales with drunkenness. Mostly, I just think chimera is hilarious. Uh, it is if you're British. Yeah, I don't know that anybody. I think I, I have to imagine that a lot of our audience was just assume that we misspelled chimera, or right. that it was a joke that they didn't get. Which, I mean, they would accurately assume that it was a joke that they didn't get if they were anything like me. Or maybe they would look it up and they would, like I did the today, learn learn a little something about themselves and how to refer to themselves after puking uh, because they drank too much in England. Uh, Sir Ham says, will there be any world events in the near or not so near future? Yeah. Also, if you're reading this on Monday the 23rd, that is my birthday and it would make my day if you wish me a good one. Well, happy birthday, Sir Ham. Happy birthday, Sir Ham, Sir Ham, the pig that assassinated Robert F. Kennedy. Mm. And then was knighted by being touched on each shoulder with a slice of bacon. Tomorrow is my birthday Mm. and I will make it a good one. What are you going to do? I'm going to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. And How I Met Your Mother. Television show? Yeah. Okay. It's the um, Agents of Shield is the show based on the Avengers. Mm-hmm. 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 I almost watched the Avengers. 
uh, the other day. I, I checked. I, I got so far as to loading it up on uh, on the Netflix, but then I was like, ah, this like, is pretty long. And dude, where's my car? Time. Is on and beckons. It wasn't. I mean, you know, I uh, because I was thinking about the movie Top Secret because we stamped all those things Top Secret, and then right. Weird Al did an interview that was he posted to his Twitter today in which he espouses the glory of Top Secret and how it's his favorite comedy. Uh, and I went to check to see if I had that, and I do, and it's still in the shrink wrap. Like, I must have bought the DVD and then never wow. watched it. That was good. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, hey, it's also Manayachi Nitru's birthday. Wax says, first things first, tell me about Khan. It's primitive for me to attend until teleportation is invented. Yeah, we just did, man. I think we did. We told you about it. Let's see. Uh, Jick. Please outright tell me the mechanic for the novelty belt buckle of violence's bonus spell damage is driving me nuts. Some days it's 10%, some days it's 20%, except some people get different values on different days. I've already accounted for elemental alignments. Dude, I don't remember how that works at all. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I'll look it up. But someone ask me on the Thursday show, and I will remember... I will try to remember to look that up in between times. Monday equals Scully equals writing. Considering how well-received the writing is, to be as broad and specific as possible, is there a place for more writing-centric features in the future? Examples include Tales of Dread and Monster Manual, both of which are really awesome, but then there's all the writing that accompanies every other accompanies every other aspect of the game. I guess I'm asking, what stuff do you want to write about but are looking for the right way to do it first? Story arcs? Self-contained mini-novels? Backstory on various aspects of KOL, including in-game, e.g. psychoanalytic jars? Current and past features and events? Um, asymmetric? Etc.? What? Hmm. The uh, <clears throat> I'm always looking for ways to drop massive amounts of writing into items because I feel like that's a place where I can do the most amount of work without generating work for other people. Because if I design a zone with a bunch of items in it, I invariably end up with some that are just like, and hot stuff make this item be something good, <laughs> right? And even the the coding and like the implementation that I can do in Spindlers now, it, it still creates work for other people. But sometimes, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't always like that. You the like the uh, the space stuff, the grimace stuff. Mm-hmm. Like all of the stuff that happens in those two outside zones was like that was just fully. Working, yeah, it was just you know? a big choice adventure. You know, just like the the robot fight, like that required very little mm-hmm. effort from anybody else apart from art which is always going to be a thing so more than more often than not i'm looking for stuff that can be expressed in like the choose your own adventure engine which is robust enough that like it can give items and take away items i think it can hurt you and heal you yeah too. no it can do all kinds of things yeah i mean it can it can just drop out and execute arbitrary php code so technically mm-hmm. it can do anything the game knows how to do if you already know how to do that but yeah. um but it's pretty good i think if i had it to do over again using usable items would use that scripting language because mm. basically everything that an item does can be done in that scripting language and then yeah. they would just be like all right well this is the way that this is the way that these things should work instead of just being hard coded so that would that would increase the amount of work that you and riff could do on your own um i feel like i'm kind of backwards from people who want to be writers and that i don't have a lot of ideas for writing but when given an idea, we'll write a whole bunch. Because mm-hmm. usually it's, man, I have like 12 ideas for a novel, but I'm never going to sit down and write a novel. Right. And mine is like, yeah, I would probably sit down and write. Yeah, like if I wrote an outline for a novel and put it in front of you, you'd probably just write a novel. And it yeah. probably wouldn't take you that long. Which is what ended up happening with Lars the Siberian. It was like, here's the this generic vampire adventure that Riff wrote with right, sentence-long yeah. descriptors on everything. Oh, fuck, it's Dracula. Yeah. So I enjoy, like, being handed right three factoids on the third of the monsters that 
are assigned to you. You and know, the right? Three <laughs> factoids on the ones that are assigned to me. Yeah. Uh, man. It's I good because that is such quick work for me, though. And I, the thing is, I, we were talking about this on, on some, one of the shows recently. That I have no problem writing factoids if it's on a blank monster that I just created. And I thought that's what it was going to be like going through and doing it to all the other monsters. But then when I got in there, it was like, oh, fuck. I, what I have to do is write factoids that are not just rehashes of any of the fucking attack messages. There's which that, yeah. Every one of my ideas was because <laughs> we, you know, we approach those things from very similar directions. And so we're very consistent. I found that going through again, trying to fill in. Uh, I'm just slowly going through filling in hit and miss messages to get yeah. them all up to six. And I would write my lovely hit message and then look up and see that that's exactly what the critical hit was. Yeah. I, I get this feeling a lot of the time. That's like, fuck, I have made this exact joke in some other booze. And the thing is I could probably get away with that and it just wouldn't be a big deal at all. You know, what are the odds that somebody is going to drink that item from 5,000 item IDs ago and then drink this one and think, ah, oh, that guy's a fucking fraud. I'm He's never a big fat phony. Um, that's where the KOL wiki comes in handy. It's like, man, it, Sounds really familiar. You know, the cold front, like if a joke sounds familiar, I'll just plug it in. Yeah, I've got, I wrote a thing that can, I mean, it's mostly for code stuff now, but it's like, I wrote a thing for sort of searching through a lot of the code that's stuck in database fields now, mm -hmm. looking for stuff. I could probably do the same thing for writing if we were really worried about, you know, like, ah, oh, fuck, where did we, where did we call somebody a fag that we want to go back and undo? <laughs> um, the forum Kebabka says, with the advent of monsters now scaling to your main stat, which is awesome, is there any chance you could revisit older things that were purposefully designed to give moxie percentages a worse bonus and make it equivalent to the benefits the other ones give? The C back items, cape is 5 moxie, C mantle is 10 muscle, C shawl is 15 mist. I could be completely wrong in that these were created to not benefit moxie classes, especially with scaling monsters. If that's the case, why were they created in that way? Yeah, I can say pretty safely that it, has, it had nothing to do with that. Um, it's just we will often... We will often try to distribute stuff that gives you bonus stats based on the utility of the stat. Mm -hmm. And so, like, moxie is really important, and muscle is pretty important, and mysticality is not real important. So that's kind of... It's okay to give people more of the ones that are less valuable if we're trying to make two things equivalent, right? Because otherwise, it's just, like, every, every like what they what in I've Mark Rosewater and Magic the Gathering they refer to as cycles where there's like a card a thematically similar card of every color so like when we have a thing that's like all right this is just three things and there's a muscle one a mist one and a mox one if we make them all identical the, they're not identical because moxie is better mm -hmm. than than mysticality on almost every measure um and you know the the scaling thing was one of those measures i guess at the time but it wasn't one that we thought of hmm. you know Anyway, uh, John Diaz says, As the gods of fate would have it, my first KOL anniversary fell on uh, the day before Talk Like a Pirate Day. Then I was considerably more amusing up until the point where I first encountered a pirate in the high school truant officer tried to cart me off to school. Unfortunately, I was then being followed by what I can only assume was some sort of ninja pirate, as he would neither show his face to fight me nor allow me to proceed to classes. I was very surprised to be entirely deadlocked for the rest of the day in regards to adventuring. As a comp sci major, I'm still trying to decide whether I'm more frustrated or amused by this turn of events. I don't... I don't understand how that could have happened. Um, have you tried turning it off and back on again? Yeah, I, like I'm trying to imagine what would cause that. Because I mean, the talk like a pirate day doesn't 
make you adventure somewhere else. Like, I yeah, I, I like, and also, what does it mean that you would you, you're you were encountering a pirate, but you didn't see the pirate? Like, what does that even what does that even mean? It seems like that would have happened to everybody that day if it was yeah. actually a systemic failure, and I didn't know. So you ever click on the class, <clears throat> you get a wandering monster instead, which should be fine. And then the the logic is saying you're this wandering monster isn't part of your school stuff, so you don't get to have this fight. But but it's not. But you're not right. done with this fight, so you can't go to school. Is what he's saying. It seems yeah, that, that just that wouldn't happen, happen because I mean the the like the wandering monsters occur in the zone that you're in hmm. and it the, it's only trying to adventure somebody else that triggers the truant officer anyway <clears throat> um Deerjick says nips the recent revamps and changes hidden city main set uh, scaling stack games have been freaking sweet can you turn your burn it to the ground cannon on the level 11 desert quest next i just spent a day and a half in oxycore on that leg of the quest just because the rng apparently had something against me this week yeah when i when i did the the new beach uh i put in the little thing that is part of my plan for that um that that might not be the precise next thing but it will be one of the next thing. I, i'm guessing that the desert the desert will be entirely unlike it is now before the end of october hmm. um feature request can we get a right click menu option to feed our slimeling equipment we find i'd love to be able to just dump things quickly down my little buddy's gullet at the end of combat without having to dig, go digging in equipment inventory after the fact hmm yeah i think that's i think that's reasonable and a more fun question. If you and Scully could travel through time, Bill and Ted style, where and when would the two of you go to hang out? Ignore all potential problems of causality and paradoxes, if you please. Hmm. I was trying to think if there was a place that we would go hang out together. Yeah, I don't know. Because like, oh, dude, I would love to go to, like, the Moulin Rouge in the 18th century. And I wouldn't. I would enjoy that. Although, it would be rough without speaking any French. Hmm. Right, because I... It worked for Bill and Ted when they picked up Napoleon. Sure, yeah. I feel like... If I had a time machine that, you know, you could go and come back with no time having elapsed, I would spend a lot of time at concerts. So, like, the Ramones at CBGB's when they were first starting out, like Talking Heads when they were first starting out, Queen when Freddie Mercury was still alive, because now it's not as fun. Sure. I mean, I guess you could just go to, like, every Beatles show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like... Well, they might be giants when... They were just coming, like their first album was coming out, and there was the two of them in tape loops. Like, that's the kind of thing that I would like to see. I wonder. And go see, like, go back to the Jesus times and see what the Jesus thing was. What was actually going on now? Because you could actually know. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that your responsibility to the world would be to just suddenly produce a perfectly accurate recording of history. Although. I mean, what fucking difference is it going to make, right? I mean, it's like, oh, look, if we could just go figure out what actually happened, we could just solve all of the turmoil in the Middle East. Like, I bet you fucking couldn't, because I bet the kind of person who's really interested in an accurate account of things probably not involved in any religious wars right now. That's why stuff like the Da Vinci Code, where it's like, if this information came to light, it would unmake Christianity as we know it so we have to have this elaborate system in place to make sure nobody finds out like it didn't know it wouldn't yeah <laughs> if they were like hey we found a body that we're sure is Jesus of Nazareth by DNA tests and you know whatever and uh, so he didn't ascend into heaven so pff, there you go nobody who wanted to believe it would stop believing it yeah yeah they would journey that shit so you know, I, what what would I what would I like to do? I 
I would kind of like to see New York back when it was really dangerous. Mm-hmm. You mean like you know, early 80s, like Ghostbusters New York? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, like, I'd like to find out exactly how racist H.P. Lovecraft really was. Hmm. Answer? Substantially. He's extremely, extremely <laughs> racist. I would want to hang out with H.P. Lovecraft and Roald Dahl all day long. <laughs> uh, um... <clears throat> Douglas, yeah, I go, yeah, you meet Douglas Adams. Have some mm. beers with Douglas Adams. Uh, maybe Bach. Maybe go see what Bach working was like. Uh-huh. And, like, what it sounded like when he played stuff. You know, like, what performances of Beethoven's stuff, like, because there's yeah. that weird stuff about how, like, you know, from that one episode of Radio Lab, which made everybody an expert on Beethoven, yeah. uh, where you know, according to the like, the metronome was invented in Beethoven's lifetime, and so he started writing down actual speed notation, and it's all like fucking crazy fast. Yeah, like it is like twice as fast. His notation is like twice as fast as it would normally get played. Huh. Um, I've heard though that if you brought a composer from that era here, everything would sound out of tune. Because the way that instruments were tuned has changed since then. So it could be like we would go to hit up that concert and spend the whole night just kind of wincing. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think that. Well, you know, it's weird. Can you go see the ring cycle? It's weird to think that, like, things that seem to me to be really fundamental things about the way that music is supposed to sound mm-hmm. are apparently cultural. Yeah. Because for God's sake, is Indian music just noise? I like Indian music. Yeah, man. But but it's it, it it's like just wrong in fundamental ways that can't be biologically fundamental. Yeah. Like there there are certainly things that like you know, like octaves are not a cultural construct, right? They are they are a, a physical attribute. Yeah, doubling of a of frequency. Sound. Yeah. yeah. And so like there are things that are gonna be like I guess it's like it's not that it isn't dissonant. It's that you have a cultural tolerance for dissonance. Yeah, you may even prize it. Yeah, there's and like the the very nasal, high pitched singing that is prized there sounds kind of off to us. And like a classically trained Western school performer, it's like you never sing through your nose. You resonate through your diaphragm. But I think if we heard <clears throat> a classical performance when it was contemporary, I, I don't think it would be that crazy different i mean could mm. it be i mean that's what that's i'm wondering like what I want to find if, yeah, out. how much yeah. of it is cultural and if you know in that case how much of it you know like what did it sound like when somebody read dickens aloud when it was contemporary no. oh shakespeare that would be a thing i'll go see a play at the globe yeah and figure out what like and hear that like the accent that they're talking about that now that they probably would have had back then was closer to scottish So there are a lot of lines that don't rhyme when you read it in the you know Laurence Olivier accent Mm -hmm. that would have when when read that way. I saw something recently that was I mean and it was just like a Reddit headline that I didn't click through, but it was something like that that pronunciation of English five or six hundred years ago was closer to an American accent, like a modern day American accent, than to a modern day British accent. But that seems like a weird like how would you even conclude that? (laughs) This is walking around like, forsooth, you mook. (laughs) Prithee, what the fuck? Prithee, what the fuck? Yeah, so our answers are, you know, Shakespeare, Douglas Adams, literary greats and musical greats, and uh, Freddie Mercury. And Jesus. And Jesus. Yeah. I feel like you owe it to the people who 
are on the fence about Jesus to to figure that out once and for all. Yeah. Although, where would you even? I mean, that seems like you, it would take a long, long time. Because, like, you don't really know when it was. I mean, I guess you could just, like... You got it you within keep, four years. You go, back, you go back a few hundred years, ask people, hey, uh, have you heard of Jesus? Right. <laughs> like, just... And then as long as anybody says yes, you're like, all right, got to go back further. So, you like just... You mean of, Jesus from uh, Damascus? No, 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 the other guy. Galilee. Like, oh, no, no. Because it was a pretty common name. Mm. It was Joshua back then. So, if I were Spanish, my name would be Jesus. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gajan says more love for the spleen uh, we currently have a plethora of modifiers to milk extra munchies from food and sing odes from frosty booze yet apart from a few miscellaneous removal tools sliders jars of pickle juice mojo fillers there aren't any items that actually boost spleen items for a few extra adventures there are um, mm. there is there is that thing from the astral badger it might that might only boost stat gains actually but so the the issue with that is that spleen items are all just still hard coded PHP script that runs when you use them. Like there is not, there, whereas booze and food were always just types of items. With you know those used to be hard coded too, but it was like basically as soon as xenophobe came on, that was one of those things. It was never worth my effort to do, but it yeah. was worth paying somebody else to do it. Those got generalized. You know, even things like. When food gives you an effect or whatever, that wasn't even a thing that we really did in the database until two or three months ago. Wow. When 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 we made it so you could see them on the on the item description, right? That required going through and taking all of the ones that granted effects just via a little bit of code that got invoked when you ate it and actually putting that in the spindler. Um, but yeah, spleen items are not they're not easy to do things to categorically. Whereas the things that do interact with it are all things that all they do is decrease the, or they decrease how much your, your spleen is full. And that is just a single number yeah. that, that gets, that gets hit. So, yeah. Uh, Ethereal Oblivion says, could you talk further about olfaction? Would you be willing to share other options you're considering beyond soft cleanse immunity, skill splitting and or caps? I mean, there isn't really anything to talk about along those lines. Um, we, I, you know, that's another kind of Thursday thing anyway. We could, I could try and think about it in between now and then, I guess. I don't fucking know. Smile Rot says, what does the Naughty Sorcerer have to do with anagrams anyway? Nobody has an answer for this, and I'm curious. Am I missing a joke here? So you haven't, like, you really haven't sat down with the words, the Naughty Sorceress, and anagrammed them until you found the obvious joke? Jeez. So the Wand of Nagamar was <laughs> the thing that we always intended to do something with, and when we added the Naughty Sorceress, we took all of the things that we had always intended to do something with and made them part of the thing that right. we were making. You know, which is which is why in the fullness of time that stuff has become more dissatisfying to me. Um because it made a lot more sense when there weren't very many items and when everybody who was playing was like, When is this gonna do something? Oh, finally. You know, it just doesn't feel like that now. It does not the way it plays. Um, yeah, I admit that's not organic. I like the way that the wand acts in battle, though, just regularly. Yeah. So maybe that's enough. Wait, you mean against her? Or? Against regular monsters. I when you have it equipped, it does. It has hit and miss messages that are anagrams of, you know, like, the. Oh, okay. Just the, the thick torso turning into something roots. and Oh. Yeah. Both, both arms turning into bra moths. Okay. Is one of the things that hurts the monster. Neat. Huh. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I wouldn't... That's not going to be a thing for very much longer. 
Uh, B.A. Tackling, tackling? B.A. Tackling says, Hey, I've been playing KOL for a while now, but I just discovered the Q&A segments that you guys do. Kudos for making the effort to maintain transparency and communication with your players. That said, I figured I'd take advantage of this to scratch an itch that's been bothering me for a while. How do you judge whether a non-quest related item should have the quest item restriction? Is there a better way to do this that doesn't leave new players wondering what the Meat Globe quest is? Boy, yeah, I, there must be, but hmm. I'll be goddamned if I can figure Wait, it out. Think of something else that we can call those items and we'll be happy to. Yeah, like, it, you know, so some of them are just, these are things that expire when you ascend, yeah. right? And that, like, we've made things quest items in the past because then that's just what one of the things that quest item means, right? This is a thing that having an extra copy of it from before would fuck up the logic of something. Um, saying... The, the, if the only worry is that it confuses first-time players because they don't get what that distinction means, then anything that we do that says, this item will only last for the lifetime of your character, and they'll be like, okay, right. <laughs> that means it's forever. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, that's... Yeah. I don't know, man. Canifier 40 says, Jick, also, why is the... I don't think the meat globe needs to be a quest item. It sort of doesn't. I don't know why it would be. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't need to be anymore. Like it, before, it was like we didn't want them to pile up. I guess. Fuck. Who knows? They give some meat and stats for no. But it's consumed. Yeah. Right. So I don't think it's going to be. You could have like five hundred of them and use them all in one day. Yeah. If you'd done five hundred ascensions to collect them, yeah, it seems sure. like it, it seems like it's. A, <clears throat> A thing that did what that does, I don't think that I would, uh, like, just on its face think it needed to be a quest item, so uh, who knows. Uh, Jick says, Canifier40, could you elaborate on the nature of bootplant.gif as seen on the wiki user page of this filthy URL manipulator? It's many years old and the C is completed, so if I can't see it ever being released, plus am curious. Uh, also, the Penguin Astronaut, sweet art. The Penguin Astronaut, didn't, did we just decide not to do that? That was, like, after Black Sunday. That was one of the things where... We were just figuring out where people were adventuring and putting in those muggers that would take a percentage of your meat when you went up there. But then we realized that that was an extremely clumsy way to do right. what we were doing. And so we turned it off. I think that those were the ones from the hole in the sky, which we may have just never actually done. Yeah. Um, boot plant, I think, was a drop from... It was from the terrifying the, robot in the yeah. future section of the sandworms. We stuff. just didn't end up needing it because yeah. there, there were enough other drops that it didn't get used. So that was definitely just a straight up Wally reference. No. Uh, let's see. Hamfish says, Hey guys, I haven't managed to get the Tales of Dread yet, but I absolutely love the idea. I don't know how many players are just all about being as optimal as possible and don't care much for descriptions and stories, but the writing is one of the things that drew me to KOL in the first place. Is there any plan for writing stories for other monsters unlockable through a Tales of Dread type item? Not for all of the kingdom's monsters, of course. Many stories for everything is kind of what Monster Manual is for. But maybe, for example, the monster is unique to a particular challenge path. Um, I mean, that's certainly, like, there are a bunch of people that like it, and it was, yeah. I feel like, not super onerous to do. Scary stories is a thing, right? Whereas there's not necessarily, you know, I mean, there are certainly like write a stories about high school or kind of a thing. Mystery story for each monster in this mystery dungeon. Oh, also, the next version of KOL is just a a port of Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Uh, craft a weird re recording device out of honey to get the bees hate you stories. Uh, find a journal locker for KOLHS stories, that kind of thing. Or even just the bosses. I know this would be a massive task, but in theory, what are your thoughts on it? Would the fun of writing the stories or delegating other people to write them make the big task of implementing them worth it? I don't really have fun delegating stuff. Um, 
but I'm sure it was fun to write. Yeah, writing things is fun. That was more of the, like, it is a lot of work to do stuff like that, but it's the work that doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's the kind of work that go we, to place where stories come yeah, from. It's, and, it's the kind of work that we have a lot of in us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that, like, you know, it's weird. I feel like there are, there are places, there, there are just shops with different strengths, and producing a lot of text of pretty even quality is one of the strengths of our shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put that on my business card. Producer of text of fairly <laughs> even quality. Producer of a lot of text of fairly even quality. Uh, Minox says, What led you to making default familiar names not the usual Gothelsby kind of thing on the recent familiars? It's become a much more common occurrence recently with both of this year's familiars having their own names or all three counting the homemade robot. The cubling, the nosy nose, the songbird. Seems like a trend. Did the songbird have a name generator? I don't know. It's just, I think the reason we're doing that is it's so much, it's just so easy to throw in a misc text yeah and it's it's like like, it's fun you know i mean it like it it's another vector for giving them some personality that mm -hmm. i just think and i mean we've had the ability to do that since i guess since was ns13 when the moon signs went in it was right when the sign areas yeah so since the clockwork grapefruit i mean that one although that might have just been hard-coded in the i guess they're all hard-coded but um yeah, I don't know. I mean, we like making those generators. It's not a lot of work, and it's just an easy thing to throw on a familiar. And so mm-hmm. now it's like, and I also just kind of feel like, especially for Mr. Store familiars, like I've become a lot more like I want the experience of doing a hundred percent run with a Mr. Store familiar to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want it to be. I want there to be something to that. I want that to be a thing that you could... I want that to be a thing that you wouldn't dread doing if you did it, but a thing that you'd be excited to do because it's like, wow, this does all kinds of things. It has all kinds of jokes in it and stuff. And it's just sort of like part of, you know, trying to make them richer without just making them more powerful. Yeah, and Uh, like in the same way that anything that has a volleyball or fairy or something base will write... 10 to 20 texts yeah instead for of just the one that we did on the old ones and it is just because we can <clears throat> yeah I mean a lot of that is just it, it used to be the case that Scully would write the smile message and then I would have to like copy and paste it into code and mm-hmm. you know deal with all the you know escaping out all the quotes and stuff and now it's like when I build the thing I just make make it so it uses a word bucket and then I note to Scully this is this is what it does when this thing volleyballs and then he'll just you know that th- those things like i feel like it's as easy to write 10 as it is to write one in a lot yeah. of cases um see previous statement about how easy it is for us to produce a lot of text see previous well, statement it's C. not it's not easy it's just it's easy for us. we're good at it yeah i mean that's the thing that's uh, Okay, John Diaz says, you recently talked about class revamps and specifically mysticality class revamps. Are they first up on the to-do list of class fiddling? Well, no. Seal Clover's first because it's like basically already done. Um, Having just permed Immaculate Seasoning and Sauce Geyser, I find myself wondering whether if there's a big mechanic shakeup, old perm skills from the area in question will still be allowed to apply slash exist. Thoughts? They will... If the Seal Clover is any indication, they will by and large be the same or very similar, at least thematically very similar, to what they do now. So it's not... I wouldn't I wouldn't panic. The idea the idea is for these things to be a net improvement for for everyone across every purpose, mm-hmm. you know? And the 
the balance concerns are way less important to me than the interestingness concerns. So I don't I don't think you have anything to worry about. Well, you had a pretty productive conversation, I think, with Hot Stuff on one of our conference calls about how you don't want to take anything away from people's enjoyment with them. And one of the ways to do that is just to give them new toys to play with, even if there's something that they were using that's not around anymore. Yeah. And even if... Not, even so you like, like it. It like this skill is something an optimizer would never use, and that's okay because it's fucking fun, you know that yeah. that kind of thing. You won't like it to begin with, but you'll eventually like it, <laughs> or you'll be free to just ignore it. Mm. You know, it's like this is not a thing for me. This is not a thing I care about. So whatever. Uh, Bumcheek City says the clan leader thing isn't great. Only one person can be clan leader, and this seems to be independent of their rank. Could you make it so that multiple people could be leaders of clans, and that way we wouldn't have to switch accounts and all that? <sighs> I agree with you. Um, I for instance, would like to be able to pop into other clans to do stuff, and I can't. Um, I don't know if... I don't know how easy it would be to just make leader another rank. Mm -hmm. um, not trivial. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it would be nice if the leader was able to go and whitelist. But, I mean, that's like do you have people whitelisted as leader? Like, do we allow multiple leaders? I kind of think so. Like I just left my clan recently to go visiting and had to assign leadership to somebody else and then ask them for it back when I got back. Yeah. And it, I don't think that it would have really messed up the way the clan was run. If we were just both leaders all the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's that code that just wipes out leaderless clans. So hmm. you need to make sure that that didn't happen anymore. Um, if, you know, because I mean, what does it mean for like, what does it mean in the database? I can understand what it might mean for a clan to be there with nobody in it. Because right. then that's suddenly a thing like having a leader who is just a fixed person that has to be in that clan makes it so there is never a clan with nobody in it. So there is never a case where, oh, well, fuck. We we everybody left this clan and we forgot to put anybody on the whitelist. Huh. So now no one can ever rejoin the clan, right? Because mm. there's nobody in there to approve applications. Like it's not a lot of the problems with the way that clans work from the perspective of a modern KOL player result from the fact that clan movement is is fluid in a way that it I've never seen another game that lets people just effortlessly jump between groups like uh -huh. that and it's you know i i wish that we had figured out what it was that people wanted socially that resulted in that being added as a feature and then given them that socially but not made it so you know for a given thing only one clan needs to exist that has it as long as they whitelist everyone because that's just a thing that people do because it's you know it's uh, people are friendly yeah um and it's like ugh, i just i sort of wish i sort of wish that the choices that your clan made were more meaningful but they're not because everybody can just pop over into another clan it just becomes another piece of gear that you put on before rollover uh -huh. you know and it's like nah. although I, I think it's cool that in that architecture in the face of that there are some clans that are fiercely loyal yeah, and and maintain that identity even when they're not even in the clan at that moment. So it's cool. Capumka uh, says two things. Jick one, Scribble Knots Unlimited changed my life. Two, I really want to be able to cast Disco Dance Two, a machine for pigs. Well, 
that's not gonna happen. I think a machine for pigs may replace electric boogaloo because yeah, it's just that's such my, a beautiful yeah, turn of phrase. That, that is my goal. That is my goal. Uh, Blotchka says, I recently had to exchange a bunch of snack vouchers for my Alice's Army cards. After exchanging about 10, it started to get really tedious, and I still have about 300 I'd like to exchange. I noticed all the other stores have much more convenient interfaces. Why is this store different? Well, they were all, there were a lot of things that didn't use the current sort of shop item trade interface, and that's one of those things that we're, you know, like the store on the moon recently switched over to that, and I think that I'll probably have, I will probably have C.D. Moyer switch over the arcade to use the, the place spindler very soon. I mean, a lot of this is in a lot of this is in service of making it more reasonable to do a generalized mobile interface. A lot of it is just standardizing it so that everything is in our best tools. Yeah. Um, but I've I've done a ton of that this month, and there's it's getting to the point where there's comparatively little left to do as far as just getting all of the stuff using that thing. Um, you know, the the wizard shop is just its own script, and it. That one might actually be tricky because of all the because of all the Alice's stuff, but we could just make it one of those shops that has the normal shop interface. Um, it used to be that we didn't have a standardized way to let you trade items for other items like that, and now yeah. we do. So, uh, Hamfish says you may or may not have already mentioned this in the show, but what was the best part of Con? All of the Con was yeah, the all best of Con part was of the best part of Con. You know, I still I still had a lot, a lot of fun with Casino Night. Mm-hmm. The the craps dealer that was at my end of the table he'd been there before and was fine and I don't know if he's just getting old and losing hmm. it or if he was just high <laughs> or what but it just kept fucking stuff up and it was like it, was like it, hmm. it really ruined the game it was like god damn it you know it's like I know that these winnings are meaningless but the fact that like a six came up and I got money on six and he didn't just give me my fucking money and I hmm. don't want to remind him the fifth time that you know it's like I don't know. It sort of it just sort of spoiled it. It sucked. Our blackjack dealer was awesome because he kept he would kind of bend the rules a little bit in everybody's favor, which made him very popular. But they kind of like so do you want to hit on this fourteen? And then he would kind of nod or shake his head depending on what card he had. <laughs> which may have had something to do with the success at the table, but you know, people still lost. Yeah. It's still gambling. Yeah. Uh, was it as successful as previous years? Yeah, I mean, I think Hot Stuff said we, you know, again, came pretty close to breaking even. Um, which, you know, usually if we can come within a few thousand dollars of of breaking even, it's, you know, it's worth. It's worth doing. I mean, it costs a really significant amount of our time is, right. you know, in doing an actual sort of cutthroat reckoning of it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it'd be nice if it was... It is it is weird that it was like, well, let's let's sell an item at con to try to offset the cost of this. It is weird that the sales come so close to what con costs. It's uh-huh. uh, that that's like, how did we do that? Like that I, c- certainly not on purpose, because how the fuck would you even shoot for that on purpose? It's just it's uh, it's weird. Um Thanks, Neminem, for doing all you do. We should do uh, a substantial amount of buildup over the next year towards Con 11 and just really push for, you know, if we haven't seen you since Con 2, you should come to this because it's ridiculous and not even funny. Hmm. Tame the Turtle says, where do you see KOL in 10 years? The moon. Where, do you see KOL? where did you see KOL in 10 years, 10 years ago? Uh, I expected it to have a quest on the moon, and it does. 
If the game survives past your lifetime or becomes apparent that it will, would you ever consider creating a Jick Jr. game design master race child who will carry on your legacy? I feel like it's really dangerous to uh, plan on having a kid to carry on your legacy in any meaningful <laughs> way, right? Like, because that's probably not going to happen. That's, oh, it's going to be my legacy of probably liking football, <laughs> drinking bad beer. It's like, Dad, I'm going to start playing football instead of learning to code. Or, and then I'm going to learn to code and only code games about football. I'm gonna so, learn to KOL 2 is just going to be football. Uh, Hamfish says, and or an avatar of Jick Challenge Path. Man, I don't even, I don't even know what that would involve me inflicting on people. I believe that there is plenty of you in the other two avatar paths enough that and really uh, the rest of the game too right, right? i mean yeah. you are playing avatar of jick all the time yeah you are like the jick jar was only a you know it's a jar within a jar kind of a jar jar <laughs> yeah exactly that's thus revealing my favorite thing about everything well that was all the questions and it seems like you need to hit the road to pretty, get to pretty your, quick on uh, here we're, we're right at we're right at the amount of time that we like to like to spend on these things nice and we'd like to spend more if there was more shit to talk about but there's not we're fucking boring so really it's on you guys for questions next week if you want a two and a half hour show yeah like we'll it do it is. we do it with our show hot dog we can do it here all right we'll, guys i'm mr skullhead and i'm uh, actually leaving on uh, a jet plane yeah i'm i'm chicken i'm already gone <laughs>